Welcome to the Russian Rulers Podcast, Episode 29, Peter Takes Control. Last episode, we recanted the story of Sophia, who was serving as regent over Ivan and Peter, as well as overseeing two disastrous wars against the Crimean Tatars, with over 75,000 Russians killed or captured. Things went from bad to worse for Sophia as Peter refused to acknowledge her love, Vasily Golitsyn, when he returned from the campaign. She now knew the battle for control was on. Sophia had been solidifying her grip on power, one by calling herself autocrat, or Veliki Gozyodar, which put her on an equal footing with her brother Tsars. Sophia also tried to have the Strelsi force the boys to name her Co-Tsar, but they, being quite conservative, were not ready for a female ruler, and they were not entirely happy with her westernizing push in the military and in Moscovite life. She went so far as to have a portrait made of her, which you can see on the podcast site at russianrulers.podhoster.com and on the Facebook fan page Russian Rulers History Podcast. Here she was wearing the cap of Monomach while holding the royal scepter and orb. The anti-Sophia boyars were now up in arms as they saw Sophia's naked grab for power as a break from centuries-old traditions of only men being Tsar. You would have to go back over 600 years to the time of Olga during the Kievan Rus period to see a female Russian ruler. Of course, this would change after the reign of Peter, and it can be said that Sophia helped break the barrier. But now was not the time. Then, on August 17, 1689, the confrontation between Sophia and Peter reached a boiling point. Just a month before, Peter had insulted and challenged Sophia by asking her to leave a procession during a religious festival, but she adamantly refused. She now saw that she needed to protect herself, so she made sure that the Streltsy regiments surrounded her because she knew that while Peter had his loyal soldiers from Priobrazhenskoy, though they only numbered 600. When Sophia walked to a monastery, she had a large number of armed musketeers with her. Then a letter was brought to her attention by her aide, Fyodor Shakloviti, that Peter was marshalling his men to attack Sophia in Moscow. Now, there are many historians who doubt that this letter was genuine, as there was no way that an attack would have been successful, but it did set things in motion. That evening, Shaklaviti ordered the gates of the Kremlin closed. Just then, a messenger arrived from Priobrazhenskoy, but he was ripped off his horse and beaten before being presented to Sofia. Thinking that this was a sign that the regent was ready to start an attack on Peter, a carefully placed spy sent a messenger to rouse Peter and his supporters to get out of Priobrazhenskoy right away. In a famous incident, the courier reached Peter, who was already in bed, and roused him, causing the Tsar to flee, still in his nightshirt and barefoot. He ran to the stables and hopped on a horse and rode throughout the night until he arrived at Troiskaya Sergeyeva Monastery. This was an entirely pre-planned route and destination, as the monastery was one of the strongest fortresses, as well 
as one of Russia's holiest sites. Sophia knew that she couldn't attack Peter there. She had to solidify her Streltsy support to protect her or lose everything. Peter's advisors, Lev Narishkin and Boris Golitsyn, Vasily's cousin, then had Peter send an official decree demanding that one of the Streltsy commanders, Ivan Zeichler, come to Troiska with a number of his men. Reluctantly, he rode off to see Peter, as he was the Tsar, and to disobey him would be counter to Streltsy regulations. He was a very important leader, as he had helped lead this revolt that brought Sophia to power seven years before. Slowly but surely, Sophia was being boxed in as Peter ordered more and more Streltsy leaders to appear before him. The regent threatened to behead anyone who abandoned her, but there was no stemming the tide of defections. Then the mortal wound to Sophia's regency came from Patriarch Joachim, who was a one-time supporter of hers. All Sophia could hope for by now was a compromise, which she asked the Patriarch to present to Peter, which he pledged he would, but the minute he arrived at the Troitska Monastery, he defected to Peter. From that point on, all who came to the monastery saw the two standing side by side, which was a powerful message indeed. Sophia, desperate to retain some semblance of power, headed off from Moscow to meet with her half-brother, but she was blocked by an armed force just eight miles from him. She returned to Moscow fuming. Then a letter came from Peter, accusing Sylvester Medvedev and Fyodor Shaklovity of plotting to murder the Tsar and demanded that they be arrested. She now knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the jig was up. One last gambit was all she could do, which was to go to the people of Moscow and plead her case. Her speech went like this. Evil-minded people have used all means to make me and the Tsar Ivan quarrel with my younger brother. They have sown discord, jealousy, and trouble. They have hired people to talk of a plot against the life of the younger Tsar and of other people. Out of jealousy of the great services of Fyodor Shaklaviti and of his constant care, day and night, for the safety and prosperity of the empire, they have given him out to be the chief of the conspiracy, as if one existed. To settle the matter and to find out the reason for this accusation, I went myself to Troitsky, but was kept back by the advice of the evil counselors whom my brother has about him, and was not allowed to go farther. After being insulted in this way, I was obliged to come home. You all well know how I have managed these seven years, how I took on myself the regency in the most unquiet times, how I have concluded a famous and true peace with the Christian rulers, our neighbors, and how the enemies of the Christian religion have been brought by my arms into terror and confusion. For your services, you have received great reward, and I have always shown you my favor. I cannot believe that you will betray me and will believe the inventions of the enemies of the general peace and prosperity. It is not the life of Fyodor Shaklaviti they want, but my life and that of my brother. It seemed to work, 
as she gave the speech three times, once to the remaining Streltsy, once to the foreign officers, and once to the people of Moscow. The tide to Sofia was seemingly flowing back towards her. Peter immediately countered this by ordering all foreign officers to present themselves to him immediately. The Scotsman officer, Patrick Gordon, was put in a quandary as he intensely liked Peter, but he felt a deep-seated loyalty to Vasily Golitsyn, whom he also considered a good friend. But he knew in his heart that Tsar Peter was going to win, so he headed off bringing a number of his fellow officers with him. Gordon had a history of switching sides depending on where the winds blew in the past, so this probably wasn't a terribly difficult decision. Now even the Streltsy, who were the most loyal to Sophia, knew it was over. They demanded Shaklaviti, threatening to riot if he wasn't presented to them immediately. This brought back frightful memories of the slaughter that had gone on when Sophia made her grab for power. She had no choice but to give up her friend and advisor. He was taken to Peter, who had him tortured, then executed. To his defense, despite the incredible pain of torture, Fyodor Shaklaviti refused to implicate Vasily Golitsyn, which undoubtedly saved his life. Golitsyn, for his part, was stripped of all titles, all of his possessions were taken, and he was sent into exile with his family in the far north, where he would die 25 years later, never to have any influence over Russia ever again. It is likely that his life was also spared due to his relationship with his cousin Boris, which was said to have placed his cousin in a precarious position with Peter. Boris Galitsyn was viewed with some suspicion because of his cousin Vasily, but that was glossed over as the years went by. Medvedev was next, and he was captured, trying to flee to Poland. He too was tortured and executed after two years in prison. But now, the big question had to be answered. What to do with his big sister, Sophia? Killing her was out of the question, as she was of royal blood, but she had to be dealt with decisively. What Peter did, ostensibly with his brother Ivan's agreement, was to banish her to the Nord Novdevici convent, where she was well taken care of, had beautiful suites and quite a, a large place to live. But she was basically imprisoned. While she's been vilified by many as a power-hungry usurper, she was a visionary, ahead of her time, and the only person, male or female, to have dared to directly challenge Peter. She was audacious, smart, and tenacious in a time that women were only to be found in the background of Russian society. Unfortunately for her, she was a woman in a time where the Muscovites were not ready for anyone but a man to rule. That was to change with the four females who were to rule Russia, at Russia after the time of Peter, beginning with Catherine I, Elizabeth, Anne, and of course, Catherine the Great. But not now, not yet. Peter made his entrance into Moscow on October 16, 1689, where he joined his brother Ivan at the top of the Red Staircase, where the two had cowered in fear those seven years ago. 
this six-foot, six-inch giant of a boy, now was finally in control. He was to become the man who was to lead Russia for the next 35 years, dragging and kicking his people into the future. Next week, we follow the young Tsar as he begins to rule, play, and travel with abandon. Now, for this week in Russian history, for the week of November 28th through December 4th. In 1533, Vasily III, Grand Prince of Moscow, died. In 1700, the Battle of Narva, a battle we will talk about soon. There, a Swedish army of 8,500 men under Charles XII defeats a much larger Russian army at Narva. In 1805, we have the Battle of Austerlitz. French troops under Napoleon Bonaparte defeat a joint Russo-Austrian force. If you want to hear a little bit more about that battle in depth, you can go to History According to Bob's podcast, where he does a really good retelling of the story of Austerlitz. In 1830, we have the November Uprising. An armed rebellion against Russia's rule in Poland begins. In 1853, we have the Battle of Sinop in the Crimean War. The Russian Imperial Navy under Pavel Nakhimov destroys the Ottoman fleet under Osman Pasha at Sinop, a seaport in northern Turkey. In 1934, Sergei Kirov, a Russian revolutionary, is assassinated. In 1969, Clement Yefremovich Voroshilov, a famous Russian or Soviet politician, died. And in 1991, Ukrainian voters overwhelmingly approve a referendum for independence from the Soviet Union. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to visit the iTunes App Store and download the Russian Rulers app. And please visit the websites at russianrulers.podhoster.com. Become a Facebook friend at Russian Rulers History Podcast. And this week, with special thanks to Andrew, Tim, Andy, Phil, and Bryce, who posted comments recently. So don't forget to ask a question, make a suggestion, and please leave a comment. And as always, das vidanya i spasiba bolshoya.